Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. For those that don't know me, I'm Damon Reeve. I'm the CEO at Treat, and I'm joined today by, as usual, by Richard Hope, um, our CFO. You have all seen uh, the numbers uh, by now, and I'd like to pass my thanks to all of my colleagues at Treat for their incredibly hard work in delivering uh, uh, this set of numbers uh, for our first half of the year. Clearly, uh, what you've seen from the numbers is our very strong revenue growth in the period. And the important part for me to explain and you understand is the reversion to a very much an H2 weighted year for the business, which is typical. Last year was a much more atypical first half where we had strong growth in retail channels, which was disturbed due to uh, COVID impacted factors. But this year, we're back to a much more normal seasonal pattern of demand in the business, which is H2 weighted for good reason. And that reason is the build by the beverage companies Uh, typically around the spring for ultimate consumption of those beverages in the Northern Hemisphere uh, summer. Uh, Last year, we did see some rather atypical retail uh, behaviour and launches uh, in the first half, which gave an unusual uh, higher margin mix in the first half of last year compared with the period that we've just reported on. H2 is typically a stronger half for us, both in revenue and margin, But during lockdown and COVID-impacted times, demand channels were disturbed. But we're back to the more normal seasonal treat pattern now, which we've experienced across the last decade. So this is the output of what I've just said, with 9% growth in revenue leading us to upgrade revenue guidance for the year, which Richard will come on to talk more about. We do expect H2 margins to be materially higher And as the product mix swings round towards the higher margin, healthier living categories, which we typically see in the second half of the year. Clearly, as I said, the margin mix and the product mix did impact the numbers in the first half. But we are confident in the outlook for the second half and the increase in dividend that you see there, I think, attests to our confidence in the second half outlook for the business. Five of our six categories performed very well, with only T, which I have flagged, seeing any weakness in the period. All of our other categories delivered between 7.7% and 22.5% growth. As you can see, the citrus category performed really well. As we transition our citrus category towards a more added value mix of products, this category continues to be an important one for the business. And it's, and it's also a category which we expect to deliver um, an accelerated performance uh, in the second half. The synthetic aroma category benefited from increased partnering with key customers and also, importantly, the provision of molecules that go into flavours that flavour alternative proteins, so meat-free alternatives, which has seen some very solid growth in the last year or two. And we expect this rate of growth to continue to support the second half numbers. Herb, spice and florals had a very good first half, and that was benefited from some geographical reopening, Japan being 
an important example of that. But also within that category, there's some very important ingredients also uh, for beverage. Fruit and vegetables has seen a positive growth for more than a decade now, and that growth continues. A lot of this category feeds into growth opportunities in premium beverage. And again, we expect this category to accelerate during the second half as the traditional beverage seasonality swings into the business. The same story is true of health and wellness, which again had a very impressive set of results in the first half. And again, we expect that category to continue to deliver an accelerated performance across the second half again as beverage demand uh, picks up due to the seasonality. Which leaves only tea, which benefited, as I mentioned earlier, from very strong retail launches in the corresponding period last year, with the mix is now transitioning back to more on-trade driven demand as we move out of COVID-impacted channels. Good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining us uh, this morning on what is my last results announcement after an incredible uh, 19 years at Treat. And I'm proud to be leaving the business in very good health, and it is very well positioned for growth for many years to come. So this slide shows our revenue performance over the last decade, and it is notable that the first six months of this financial year delivered a record H1 revenue growth and demonstrates the underlying strength of the overall growth in our business today. This graph particularly shows the progressive revenue growth over the last 10 years. And with H2 seasonality in the business, driven by spring and summer beverage consumption in the Northern Hemisphere, as Damon mentioned, and order books up by more than 25%, we now expect our full-year revenue to be up by more than 15% on the prior year. So, I now turn to our profit performance over the last decade. And as the dotted line shows, we remain on track to deliver consensus profit before tax and exceptionals for the full financial year. This would be the 10th consecutive year of growth in profits, demonstrating how we have transitioned the business from a traded to very much an added value business. The H1 revenue growth, which Damon was talking about, that was driven by our three largest categories of citrus, herb spice and florals, and synthetic aroma, um, reflected the fact that the growth in H1 came from our categories that have slightly lower margins than the faster growing healthier living categories, which we expect to dominate H2. And therefore, the product mix impacted margins. And that is why the profit proportions are as you see on the screen there. So as you can see, over the last 10 years, we've maintained a consistent progressive dividend policy. And our policy for the interim dividend is to pay a third of the previous year's dividend. And I'm pleased to confirm that we've maintained that policy with a 25% increase in the interim dividend, which really does demonstrate our confidence in the outlook for the rest of the financial year and beyond. So looking at the income statement in more detail, we've covered the revenue growth in the period, which was a very encouraging 9% against a strong comparator. And as expected, gross margins reflected our more traditional product mix, but it was still improved from those in H1 2020. In terms of administration costs, given the growth over the last 12 months, these grew by a relatively modest 9%. 
And this was very much driven by growth in employee numbers, which were up 15% on 12 months earlier, as we invest strongly in skills across the group. But as I will come on to shortly, global inflationary pressures are of less significance to treat. And finally, we made a £3.3 million gain on the disposal of our old UK site and have incurred exceptional costs in relation to the UK relocation as shown on the slide. So now looking at the cash flow statement, we had an operating cash flow inflow of £7.7 million for the period. And whilst working capital increased by £15 million, this was very much driven by the positive factors of inventory build to support our strong order book and receivables, which were reflective of a strong end to the half year. Following the receipt of £5.6 for the sale of our old site, closing net debt of £19.8 represents about 0.85 times EBITDA. And we would expect cash flow, however, to be much stronger in the second half and to end the year with net debt much nearer to £10 So to summarise the guidance we are giving today, we now expect full-year revenue to be up by at least 15% on the prior year. And we confirm that we are maintaining our guidance for profit before tax and exceptional items to be in line with market consensus of £21.7 million for the full financial year. Looking more widely at factors affecting the treat business, much more important than general inflation is the wide range of fluctuations in raw material prices which we experience every year. And here TREAT has many decades of experience in managing this risk for our customers. Equally, in terms of supply chain, we are very experienced in managing global logistics, and it is a clear part of our business model to hold high levels of inventory in order to maintain exceptional customer service. And finally, in terms of general inflation, this only impacts approximately 5% of cost of goods sold. And we are, in fact, a relatively low energy user, as our manufacturing processes use lower temperature extraction in order to maintain the characteristics of the input raw materials. I want to talk to you about our future and our optimism about revenue growth within that future. There is much more to come from Treat, not least all the upside of our new Skyline Away facility in Bury St Edmunds. Customer reaction to our new facility has been, frankly, spectacular. This week, we are pleased to say that we begin manufacturing from the new site, which is an important landmark in our history. An important part of our business model is the co-creation work we do where our scientists work on the bench with our customer scientists. And our new facility brings a much more enhanced environment to do just that. Our addressable market is growing. From opportunities in developing low and no sugar beverages to ready to drink cold brew coffee and the premiumizing world of beverage, authenticity is really important. And our extracts enable the true taste of the input material to be experienced in the beverage. The growth we have seen in the provision of molecules for alternative proteins is expected to continue. And as trends around health and planet-positive food drive consumer behaviour, we feel that we've got the business in a very positive state and a very relevant position for the market that we serve. And we certainly look forward to explaining more to investors at our Capital Markets Day on the 27th of May, more about the long-term upside that we see coming from the business 
and our new headquarters in Berries and Edmonds. Our business model is usefully defensive in challenging economic times. Premium branded beverages are seen as affordable luxuries and they are experiencing growing demand. COVID impacted channels and the important on trade are returning to pre-pandemic levels of demand. This is important for our business as we feel volume demand returning. Health trends are certainly driving further growth and opportunities. And after experiencing an important period of growth, we feel there is much more to come from TREAT. What we always say about ESG is that we have been running the business along positive ESG principles before ESG became an acronym in the investment community. We have very good momentum on sustainability, with a new ESG framework being finalised with clear vision, objectives and KPIs being set out. There's some very exciting work going on in our supply chain, for example, and we'll talk more about this at our full year results in six months' time. So in terms of outlook, we are already seeing the expected customer behaviour as we begin H2 with the increased demand for our healthier living categories and increased demand in all the other categories continuing. We're very pleased to say that manufacturing is underway at our new UK facility. This is an important step for the business. And our coffee category is also progressing well. And we're confident about the long-term opportunity that coffee will bring an incremental advantage uh, to our business. We will enjoy all the benefits to come from our new UK headquarters, which is not just about staff and, and customer attraction, but a plethora of efficiency gains, productivity benefits, and so forth. There is certainly much more to come from that. And the team are busily working at realizing those gains over the next few months. So we're confident in the outlook and our long-term prospects for the business. Lastly, but not least, I would like to pass my thanks to Richard Hope, our CFO, who retires at the end of June. Richard has been a Always a sound advisor for me as CEO. We've, I've very much enjoyed working uh, with Richard uh, on roadshows and within the business for these last 10 years of my term uh, as CEO and Richard's uh, 10, near 10 years before I became CEO. His contribution for the business has been incredible and I thank him sincerely for the work that he's done for Treat over the years. Thank you. Thank you. So we will now take questions. And we've got a question from Charles Hall at Peel Hunt. Morning, Damon. Morning, Richard. Um, can I just ask about the regional mix and um, the trends you're seeing in China and the States? And China, obviously, a lot of difficulties operating at the moment with lockdown restrictions and just get a feel for how that market is moving. And the US obviously saw a decline in the first half. Is that just down to seasonality or is it product launches? And what gives the confidence behind the second half outlook? Uh, thanks for the question. I think uh, certainly uh, China has been impacted by uh, various lockdowns uh, in, in key, in key uh, cities such, such as Shanghai. We remain uh, very confident about the upside potential of, of China for the treat business. In fact, we, we're, we're very close to um, a number of uh, quite significant wins and new product launches in that, in that key market. Certainly in the longer term, 
uh, we expect China to emerge as an important second geography uh, for, for us behind uh, North America. And it would be no surprise uh, at all to me if, if in five years' time, China is not somewhere between 12 and 15% of revenue uh, for the business. But we do have some uh, near-term opportunities that are beginning to be unlocked, and we certainly look forward uh, to restrictions in key cities being unlocked to enable uh, those, to, those to move forward. Uh, in, in the US, it was an interesting uh, period uh, for the business in the US, but I think it's the comparator really from last year that's distorted uh, the figures for this year, because actually, the, in absolute terms, the figures for this year in North America were good. Last year, we had some very large uh, new product launches that didn't really repeat uh, in the second half, but the pipe fills from some of those launches were quite significant. Um, and demand is much more evenly spread now, but we are confident about the second half uh, outlook, uh, particularly for the North American market. We're already seeing uh, demand uh, come through strongly. We actually finished the first half very strongly. March was an impressive uh, month for the business, and that demand has continued uh, through April and now into May. So it's the normal sort of seasonality swing of beverage demand in the spring for ultimate consumption uh, in the summer. I mean, the order book uh, gives us uh, a lot of confidence about the not just the second half, but the longer term uh, upside for the business. And I think, you know, the, the teams are certainly performing uh, very well uh, in the North American market, where there's still a lot of opportunities in our pipeline to realise. And Damon, one more question. Um, the, the Wolf and his team have now been in place for a few months. Do you want to just give a feel for uh, the changes you've been making in R&D and any feel for <clears throat> where you can go with uh, a, a stronger team? Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, thanks, Charles. Yes, uh, Wolf has been in place now uh, for uh, four or five months. Um, he's currently uh, this week again in the US uh, with with the team there. He's he's I mean we're, he's making some very important I would say uh, changes around the goal setting agenda, understanding our capabilities as a business. And you know Wolf is still very much in discovery phase, but in terms of in terms of getting the global team uh, together uh, to start thinking about metrics and opportunities where we can serve uh, our customers better. Uh, improving our offering and accelerating our offering in, in cold brew coffee. Uh, I think Wolf and, he, and his team are bringing some important uh, thinking and work in that respect. And uh, I certainly uh, look forward to uh, seeing what we can realise over the next months and years. That's great. Thanks very much. And we'll go to Nicola Mallard from Investec. Thank you. Morning. A um, couple of questions from me. Um, Damon, you mentioned the, the customer reaction to the news site had been, I think, spectacular was the word. Um, I just wondered if there's any examples of, um, you know, wins that you can share with us that, that you feel have come out of that, that sort of um, new site. Secondly, on the order book, um, I just wondered whether you could give us a guide on how big the order book is in pounds millions you know what's the length of the order book how far out does it run and also perhaps what amount of that falls in the second half given your you know sort of uh, confident uh, outlook and then finally on your volume or your uh, revenue guidance of at least 15 percent could you give us an idea of what is price and volume perhaps behind that because i know citrus prices are still high aren't they thank you 
Thanks, Nicola. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm delighted, first of all, with with customer reaction to the new site, and more importantly, that my my reaction it's the reaction of of our sales team at Tree, um, who have experienced um, obviously this firsthand from customers. I mean, there there are there are some already some new relationships that we're building, and I think what the new site has done. Um, has really sort of cemented our, our sort of strategic transition over the last decade. I mean, 10 years ago, we were much more of a trading company with some manufacturing and some science. And progressively, we have, of course, flipped that business model around to become a science-led uh, manufacturer of natural extracts for the business. But what our old premises did not do was really support that sort of look and feel of the business that we've become. The new premises very much reflects the business that we've become. We put science literally right at the front end of the new building. So on arrival, uh, visitors see uh, clever uh, white-coated chemists doing important work in laboratories. And that really does reflect the sort of business that we've become. So the whole look and feel of the business, not just from the scientific side, but also now from the manufacturing side and also the culture that we have within the business, the feel of the business. I mean, customers typically have lunch amongst our colleagues in our hub, and there's such a positive uh, vibe around around the business. Customers enjoy the experience of visiting Treat. And importantly, we've got a sales team who are now very proud of our facility that we work from and are very keen to bring customers in. Uh, And that's an important part of our development, which gives us a lot of confidence uh, not just about the next few months, but also the the, the longer term. Uh, Nicola, j- just on the order book, uh, uh, the gross order book is approximately sixty million pounds, and in terms of length, the vast majority of customers contract for up to twelve months. We have a small number of large customers who have one or two contracts that are longer than that. Um, so, so it. We, we make our own internal estimates as to when we think the customers are going to call off. But, but yes, there is no direct linear relationship between growth in the order book and revenue. But obviously, we then map out the, the order book to um, get to our internal forecast, which then gives us the confidence to raise the revenue guidance that you've got. Um, in terms of price and volume, again, you're absolutely right to call out citrus. Um, orange oil prices are at an all-time high, um, and this is not um, anything to do with global inflation. This is pure supply and demand. We've had a number of small crops uh, recently, which, which has uh, caused the, the price to go up. Uh, lemon oil, on the other hand, is down. So there is a mix. And the f- the more added value the product becomes, the less linked to the underlying raw material price it is. But approximately, I would say, three million pounds of our uh, growth in H2 is, is likely to have been price rather than volume. That's great. Thank you very much. And we'll go to Sarah Welford from Edison Group. Good morning. Um, firstly, can I ask, can you talk a little bit more about coffee in terms of what you're seeing? Um, will your products allow entirely new innovation or do you think that they will allow sort of advanced or better applications? 
but but I guess remaining within sort of the existing capabilities of what is in the market. And secondly, just going back to China, can I ask, are you working mainly with the multinationals here at the moment, or do you tend to work more with the local businesses, or, or is it a mix of both? Thank you. Uh, thanks, Sarah. I think in terms of coffee, we are very excited about the, the, the prospects for our coffee platform. The ready-to-drink uh, cold brew coffee market has um, is growing. is is going to keep growing at, at double digits. There's a lot of brands uh, in the marketplace, and a lot of those brands, uh, some of the brand owners are talking to us about improvements they'd like to make in in terms of the quality of coffee. The reason that we got into uh, coffee uh, in the first place is that coffee is very technically challenging. Uh, to produce high-quality extracts. And there's a very good reason why baristas freshly grind uh, coffee beans in a good-quality coffee shop, and that's because the flavour molecules start to degrade as soon as you start meddling uh, with the beans. And industrial coffee extracts work in very much uh, the same way. And in fact, uh, our team feel a lot of the cold-brew coffee extracts in the market actually contain uh, a lot of instant coffee. And so the premiumization of that category is offers some very good potential. And we are developing and have some technology already that we feel that can bring some uh, high quality value uh, into that space. At, at our Capital Markets Day, one of our, one of our coffee customers will be on site that day um, and uh, we'll be talking more about our abilities uh, in coffee, I'm sure, and indeed the market potential. But we see coffee as uh, probably the biggest wildcard uh, opportunity for treat for the long term that we've had for several years in terms of being an incremental uh, category for the business. Um, but you know, coffee could be uh, quite an important category for us um, over the medium to long term. But we're building now, and um, it's very much in line with the rest of our portfolio, where we bring great relevance to the market, where we can we can overcome some technical challenges to bring authenticity uh, into beverage. And uh, coffee is certainly something that's occupying um, a lot of our a lot of our time and thinking, and a lot of our um, R and D efforts. And and in terms of China. The opportunity that we see in China is really, it's largely centered around national beverage companies, uh, some of which are, of course, of quite significant scale. I think there's a growing uh, interest within that important uh, geography around uh, health, awareness around calories. I think there's demand for uh, something new and refreshing, authentic uh, in terms of beverage, and, and we're certainly uh, quite excited about the, the the opportunities that that market presents itself, um, and it's and it seems when I look at the the opportunity pipeline of, of all the projects that we we have in house, even with uh, the COVID impacted uh, situation in China, China certainly weighs in with a you know with a heavy load uh, in terms of that opportunity pipeline. So w- we are certainly encouraged uh, by the prospects for our for our business in China. Okay, thank you. And we'll now go to Charles Hall from Peel Hunt. Damon, can you just um, give an update on the hard seltzer cocktail market? Obviously, it was very hot last year, a lot of excitement around it. Then it cooled off materially. How are you seeing that market um, in terms of both the the main brands, which have obviously um, now been experiencing much 
greater competition uh, and your ability to um, have multiple customers in that market? I think the hard seltzer market and it's sort of it's sort of wider family, the canned cocktail market uh, presents uh, a lot of opportunity uh, for our business. I mean, for, for us, it's not just about hard seltzers. You know, it is very much about canned cocktails. For example, a, a gin and tonic with a twist of lemon or lime. We could be the lemon or lime in, in that gin and tonic. And it's very interesting, even in the UK market, which is an important market for us, to see what consumers are now uh, drinking on trains on a Friday and, and Saturday evening. They're typically drinking canned cocktails and, and it's unflavoured uh, beer that seems to be uh, left on the shelf. Uh, in, in, in certainly in my experience. And it's also very interesting to see what people are taking to parties. You know, it tends to be now packs of sort of canned cocktails rather than bottles of wine and, and different products. So I think this trend uh, for us uh, is a good example of how our addressable market continues to grow. I mean, the, the, the hard seltzer market itself, and I was actually um, took our incoming uh, a CFO uh, Ryan uh, to a supermarket or two in, in Florida uh, a few weekends ago, and we were discussing uh, the, the sort of hard seltzer market and the canned cocktail market and the fridge space available uh, for this category in, in sort of some of the leading supermarkets is still very significant. And so we, we're still very optimistic about the upside uh, potential of this category. Um, as I think consumers are moving towards an increasing awareness around calories, I think this could be an important, important factor. I mean, 100 calories or less seems to be the sweet spot in terms of a younger consumers wanting an alcoholic drink but with lower calories. And I think there's a number of factors here that, that speak very strongly uh, to treat strength. But certainly, we can play in that market and, uh, and appear in that market where uh, we've got some opportunity uh, in canned cocktails, which we don't have in unflavoured beer. And so the addressable market continues to um, excite us and the number of our customers. And it's becoming much more than just a North American thing. We're seeing many more opportunities emerge uh, within the European market, for example. And we'll go to Cathal Kenny from Davy. Good morning, and thanks for taking my questions. A couple of questions from my side. Firstly, on the order book, do you delineate between the indirect and direct channel? Second question relates to admin costs for Richard, just in terms of what should we expect in terms of the second half? I know you've onboarded quite a number of new people into the organization. Another one for Richard, just on the inventory position, how we should think of that through the remainder of this year. And finally, just on the citrus part of the business in terms of margin into the second half, should we expect margins there to move upward as you push more value add in that category? So in terms of the um, indirect and direct, our order book, obviously, within it, we know who the customers are. So therefore, we know um, what is going direct and indirectly. The the a lot of the um, larger, uh, longer-term contracts tend to come from the brand owners, um, with one or two notable exceptions. But we don't we don't publicly give the split between indirect and direct. But 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 typically it would be slightly biased, or skewed towards the direct. Um, in terms of uh, administrative costs for the rest of this financial year. 
we would expect the full year um, admin costs to continue to show sort of uh, low double-digit growth on the prior year. Uh, we do have um, uh, the depreciation costs from the beginning of manufacturing at our new UK facility coming into admin costs in, in H2 and, uh, you know, continuing full year effect of, of headcount increases. Um, looking further ahead on administration costs, uh, wage inflation will have some impact um, on FY23. Um, and, and presumably beyond, um, our our wage cycle begins first October in line with our financial year. So um, that is yet to to impact the business. However, we do have significant efficiencies that we're building into the business as well over the next couple of years. Um, and, and so we've obviously built that into our our own uh, financial models, looking further ahead. Um, H2 margins, I couldn't quite catch the full question, Cahal, but, but basically we, we do expect the healthier living categories to have a significant positive uh, uplift to margins. As the healthier living categories have grown over the last few years, that kind of seasonality has got even bigger. Um, so we do expect that to, to have an impact in H2. Great. And just the uh... The working or the inventory position within working capital, Richard, for H two. Yeah, so the um, inventory position. The assumption to make on inventory is that we would expect the receivables element of the working capital outflow in H one to unwind. But in these uh, in these times, uh, you know, with supply chain difficulties. Um, orange oil prices at record highs, et cetera, I would expect inventory levels to remain um, at similar levels to where they are at the half year. That's very clear. Thank you. And congrats on your retirement. Thank you, Carl. And that's the end of questions. Damon, do you have any closing remarks? Um, uh, only to say um, thank you, everybody, for your time and interest uh, in Treat. Um, certainly, if you've got any uh, further questions you'd, you'd like to like to ask us, uh, we'd be very happy uh, to take those. But sincere thanks for your interest in Treat today and uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.